0: This morning it's our privilege to have Dr. Arthur Holmes back with us. Dr. Holmes is professor emeritus at Wheaton College, taught in the philosophy department there, author of many books and articles. He was introduced more fully on Wednesday to our community. And Dr. Holmes agreed somewhat at the last moment to uh, be a part of this chapel here as we had uh, a speaker cancel on us at the last moment, unfortunately, and uh, as I was listening to Dr. Holmes talk about the the Christian liberal arts enterprise, the enterprise that all of us are here to be about, uh, I thought, along with Dr. Gady and Dr. Howell, that it would be A wonderful opportunity to be able to enter into dialogue with dr holmes about the nature of the liberal arts and specifically the christian liberal arts college and he's agreed to do that the way that we're going to do this is i have a number of questions that i will ask him and then we will open it up to the audience to board members to guests to students and faculty uh, and there are microphones back here. If uh, you're shy about going to a microphone, you're welcome to just stand, and I'll try to listen and repeat your question. But it would make it easier if you could go to the microphone. And we'll just have an open conversation about the liberal arts and about uh, Dr. Holmes' views, which he began to express on Wednesday. But first, let me express my appreciation to... Uh, Professor Holmes for his openness to doing this and for the great investment he's making. He's been meeting with students, he's been meeting with faculties, meeting with the board and and uh, the spouses of faculty and board members this evening, and he's made a tremendous investment in our community, bringing a wealth of experience to, to our enterprise here and to what we're trying to do to serve Christ. So let's uh, welcome him and honor him and bring him up right now. I wanted to lead off the questions, Dr. Holmes. You mentioned on Wednesday that uh, eloquent wisdom was one of the marks of a person who, or should be at least, one of the marks of a person who receives a liberal education. And I'd like to know, what are some of the other marks that you might distinguish in a person who's gone through a liberal arts curriculum? What would you hope to see in later years, other marks on their life?
1: This is like an oral examination. I wish I'd had the questions in advance. (laughs)
0: That makes it fun. Yeah.
1: A variety. Um, What I call transferable skills, Um, thinking skills, critical thinking, analytic thinking, capacity to unravel complex materials, uh, thinking skills, communication skills. The ability to articulate clearly and in an organized fashion, with, uh, with some grace in the use of words, some aesthetic sensitivity which aids communication, an understanding of where other people are coming from, the capacity to empathize in order to respond effectively, Um, an understanding of various aspects of life. The the breadth of a liberal education represents, of course, the whole range of human experience, of the natural, social world, of the arts. Uh, So this sort of thing. Okay, all right.
0: What would you say to someone who says... You're talking about a liberal arts education, and here we're talking about a Christian liberal yeah. arts education. Yeah. How would you expand that? What would be the marks of someone mm-hmm. who has had a liberal arts education, but a specifically Christian one?
1: Yeah, I don't, I'm not sure I like the word expand. Okay. Um, that would imply that a Christian liberal arts education simply adds something, sort of value added, faith added as a supplement. Uh, But the very nature of Christian faith is that it doesn't just sit on top of other things. It's like a yeast that pervades everything, influences things, changes things. So um, what I'd want to do is to go through the sorts of qualities of a liberally educated person, uh, some of which we talked about. Mm -hmm. And ask now, how does being a Christian affect these? You see? Affect your understanding of other persons, attitude towards social issues, your understanding of the natural world, of the arts and the sciences, your participation in them. so forth.
0: Perhaps I could ask then, in your field of discipline, philosophy, how has being a Christian affected your work as a philosopher?
1: Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure that philosophy is the best example. No, wait a minute, wait a minute. (laughs) Uh, Because um, I I think being a Christian affects philosophy more than it might affect other disciplines. The natural sciences, for instance, mathematics. Uh, But obviously, many philosophical issues are loaded with um, potential theological applications, theological assumptions or denials. So that I think that um, being in philosophy as a Christian has forced me constantly to wrestle with the relationship between reason and revelation, Mm. Mm. you see, and between reason and revelation as the two of these address certain topics, Mm. Mm. crucial, Mm. or the relationship of philosophy to theology. Mm. Now the latter, I think, is more typical of almost any discipline. Uh, A good way to start that interaction is to think of the interrelation of faith and learning as the interrelation uh, between theology and your discipline. Where are the points of contact? Uh, Where does the one raise questions for the other? What are their common concerns? Start from that. One more question before I open it up.
0: I've got about 25, so uh, we can, I'm having fun here. Uh,
1: so if I dally on one or two, I'll get on these. That's, that's okay. <laughs> that's all right.
0: The other was, what would you say to somebody, uh, a hypothetical person here on campus who might say to you, why waste all this time on studying? There's a world to evangelize yeah, out there.
1: Yeah. yeah, I remember when I went off to graduate school, a friend of mine who had gone that route said to me something of the same sort. Uh, when you're digging away in those dusty, musty volumes in the stacks of the university library, uh, you're likely to ask yourself, What am I doing here when people are going to hell? You see, he was putting it very starkly. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm glad he did. Uh, because we have to face that question Is there a Christian calling in addition? Uh, to the uh, calling to evangelism. You see. If there is not, then everything should be simply focused on that. Hmm. But if the calling is more extensive than that, uh, to honor God, to bear witness to the truth in every walk of life, in every area of thought, you see, what is the highest end of man? The question of the Westminster Shorter Catechism to glorify God, and to enjoy Him forever. You see? So granted that larger responsibility, uh, I, I think my friend's question, your question, was answered. Now at the same time, it doesn't mean to say that uh, the various responsibilities are not interrelated. Uh, it so happens that in the 40 odd years I've been in philosophy, there have been immense changes that have taken place in that discipline. Uh, Christians in philosophy have um, increased numerically. Um, they have come out of the closet. Uh, so that in a very significant sense today, it is Christians in philosophy who are defining the cutting edge of the discipline within certain of the subfields. Now, I wish that were true across the board in every discipline so that Christianity were much more a viable option for thoughtful people, educated people throughout the world. Mm. It's not unrelated Mm. to evangelism, but that's one of the fringe benefits. Mm.
0: Okay. Well, let's open it up to uh, the rest of the body here, and uh, who would like to be the brave first one? And if you'd say your name, and, and then just address your
2: question. Hi, uh, my name is Ryan Mascaro. Uh, I'd just like to ask you how big a part you feel student life plays in differing colleges that at a, for a liberal arts education.
1: Um, what do you have in mind when you ask student life?
2: Extracurricular.
1: Yeah. OK. Um, How large a part does it play in Christian colleges generally? A large part. A large part. Uh, Wherever students, uh, typical college age, uh, they will do many, many things besides study. Uh, Now, in in our climate. I don't think that's true of our students here. It's (laughs) studies. Now, in in our Midwestern climate, what they do besides study varies with the time of the year. In spring, on front campus, people's minds turn to what they've been thinking about all winter. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Uh, lots of things. Uh, uh, but, but more seriously, yeah, I, I think that um, co-curricular activities are a tremendously important ingredient in student life. Uh, I, I would like to think that they, if they are not, they at least could be a kind of laboratory, a kind of internship in which what is learned in the classroom finds sort, some sort of application in human relationships, in service projects, in uh, whatever else uh, it is we're involved with. Um, so I prefer not to think of them as two separate things. That's why I prefer the term co-curricular, uh, going along with the curriculum, rather than extra, outside something else.
0: Great.
1: Other questions?
0: We need a brave second person, it looks like.
1: I was always told that Westmont students always were raising questions.
0: <laughs> I'll ask another one while they're okay, Here, Dr. Winner's going to ask a question.
2: Yeah. Maybe you could comment on the difference, uh, the intellectual difference, in content of these two
0: very different kinds of enterprises within American education. Let, let me repeat the question in case you couldn't hear it in the back. Uh, he's asked Dr. Holmes to comment on the difference between a research university and a liberal arts college, for example. Two different, very different types of institutions.
1: Yeah, the primary mission of a liberal arts college is, of course, the education of undergraduates. Uh, The primary mission of a research university, notice the label, the research university, sometimes, indeed, seems to be research. Uh, And you catch, I take it from the few snickers, uh, you catch the implications of that. Uh, teaching undergraduates especially uh, becomes a secondary thing. Uh, Typically, the uh, professor in the research university will much prefer to teach graduate students who can further his own um, research than to teach more generalized things, introductory things to undergraduate students who generally are more dependent and work much less independently than graduate students. In fact, um, I remember talking with a um, professor at a certain research university not too long ago Uh, who had previously taught at a liberal arts college, and um, after we had been chatting about students, uh, which is a fairly common topic for teachers to talk about students, Mm -hmm. um, he, well, he and she, husband and wife team, uh, said, yes, I can see that we gain from our graduate students the kind of personal satisfactions you gain from your undergraduate students. Mm -hmm. I think that's significant. Um, Generally, the offerings, undergraduate offerings, in a large university are going to be much more plentiful and with uh, opportunities for much more specialised courses. So you would have, in that sense, a richer curriculum. But at the same time, much more of, what shall I say, a buckshot approach all over the map. And major universities, Harvard, Columbia, Chicago, over the years have wrestled with the question of curricular integration. How can all of this potpourri of things come together in the student's mind? You see? Uh, Whereas in a Christian liberal arts college, It is the the, the very integrating thing is the fact that uh, we're dealing with uh, the the works and acts of God in his creation. Uh, So that there is there a unifying theme that runs through everything. Uh, The sort of thing that the Apostle Paul had in mind when he spoke of all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I almost used that text for a chapel talk instead of the one I gave on Wednesday. Um, when he says all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, he's making a value judgment. You see? Uh, wisdom is better than jewels, uh, said the book of Proverbs. Uh, but how, how does all this relate to Christ? Well, who is the Christ of Colossians? But the creator, the orderer of the universe, the sovereign lord of all, as well as the one who became incarnate to redeem. You see? So in that sense, it's a Christocentric understanding of everything, which integrates the learning in a Christian college. You won't get that at... University of Chicago or UCLA, so forth. And let it be for the occasional Christian professor who is explicit about the implications of his faith.
0: Other questions?
1: Hi, my name is Leo. Um, How can it? Do students maximize their time at graduate school when it's not a Christocentric environment? Maximize time or maximize learning? Maximize their experience. Yeah. Um, One, um, recognize that the development of Christian understanding uh, when you're in graduate school Uh, is much more your own responsibility in consort with whatever community of Christians there may be thinking similarly within the graduate school. Um, Recognize that your work in graduate school is going to be more focused. You don't go to graduate school to continue uh, the liberal learning but rather to focus much more in preparation for professional involvement in some one field of learning, or some field of the application of learning, in the case of medicine or law. And so it's going to become much more focused. And it seems to me there are two dangers in that kind of graduate education. Uh, that you have to be alert to. Uh, One is the danger of developing a kind of, uh, I was going to mix the metaphor, I was going to say blinkered tunnel vision. Uh, You know, blinkers that you put on horses, tunnel vision unrelated to horses. Mixed metaphor. Uh, (laughs) um, but, But there is that danger, I think, of being so much tunnel vision that you see nothing else than what is straight ahead. Eyes front all the time. You see. Now, there's a sense in which that's necessary in graduate school. You, you don't have time to explore things more widely. But um, don't narrow your world from there on out to that particular focus. Here you've Uh, learned to see your science in some sort of relationship to people concerns, Uh, to the creator God. Um, Keep that still in mind. So, one, don't become too narrow. Um, And the second danger, it seems to me, is in uh, losing altogether um, the, the faith with which you go to graduate school. Um, that doesn't usually happen, and it doesn't usually happen all of a sudden. Uh, it rather dries up in a process of neglect. Um, you know the way it is for things to wither and dry in this sort of southern California climate in <laughs> the hot summers. Well, that can happen in the heat of graduate school.
0: I think we have a second question, did we? Uh, Dr. Holmes, my name is Chris. And I um, know that a lot of students here have trouble choosing a major and also figuring out how they're going to use it. I wanted to know what you thought the role is of a major in gaining wisdom from a liberal arts education.
1: Thanks, Chris. What is the role of a major? your catalog says that a major is intended to give you depth in one field. That's true. Um, Is a major intended to signal a career direction? Intended to? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Uh, I've often advised students Uh, to select a major which will stretch them and cause them to grow. Uh, Something that they are interested in and which will at the same time help them to expand their capacities and understanding. If undergraduate education is primarily a time for personal and intellectual growth, then choose a major with that in mind. On the other hand, a major often does play into the career direction. So think of a major as exploring possible career direction, you see. But don't um, prematurely foreclose other possibilities. Keep your options open. Um, How does this bear on career decisions more generally? The time to start thinking about career decisions is not um, when it comes to choosing a major. Hopefully you have some ideas of possible career direction before that. But I would hope that question is simmering in the background all the time. Um, And that the pot will gradually get to the boiling point at the time that some sorts of decisions are going to be necessary in the senior year. Uh, But along the way, keep thinking about it, talk with your professors, particularly in your majors, about career directions from that. Um, The question isn't so much, even when we come to Korea, what can I do with a philosophy major? Uh, the question is rather, uh, what sort of skills and understandings am I developing that are transferable to what kinds of career directions? So, so take it that way. Well, one good way is to, um, uh, to ask um, your department if they have a list of what their past graduates are now doing. You know? Uh, I I developed a list like that in in our department one time. I was was amazed. Uh, A divorce court judge. A chimney sweep. You name it, they were doing it. Vast variety. Uh, President of a financial corporation. President of an international corporation college presidents, all sorts, clergy, missionaries, social workers, you name it, philosophy majors. Liberal education provides versatility.
0: Okay, we'll go to this microphone over here. Hi, my name's Amy. I'm wondering, I, I see a difference between the type of person that you're speaking about, the type of person that Westmont is trying to produce or teach the values that they're trying to, to teach, and that of American modern mainstream Christianity, such as the radio, people, the radio personalities, and the traveling evangelists, and the Christian self-help authors. I'm wondering if you see that gap, and if so, is that a dilemma, or, what, or how do you think about that?
1: Yeah, um, I'm not sure whether the word should be a gap because it seems to me there are gradations. There's a spectrum. So that at the one end of the spectrum, if you like, there are highly sophisticated Christian intellectuals. Um, At the other end of the spectrum, uh, there are those without benefits of education at all um, who, um, what shall I say, blunder theologically uh, who um, aesthetically are horrendous and uh, ho- ho- all sorts of other things that if I weren 't on a platform, I <laughs> might think of saying uh, and in between uh, you get a large variety so so it 's much more of a spectrum, but um, is that a problem oh it creates problems, lack of mutual understanding, snobbery, and snobbery is a sin in terms of how you regard people if you're a snob, you see. Intellectual snobbery is a temptation for the collegiate. Um, So it creates problems of various sorts. Does it create problems for the church? Yes, but I think it's a wonderful thing. Uh, Because it speaks about the the way in which the gospel has gripped people of all sorts, you see. Uh, um, Do I wish that the spectrum were not as wide? Oh yes, of course. Uh, Do I wish there were more who showed the benefits that I think so important? Sure. Uh, But um, it's not um, an extreme problem. It's a fact of life that people are different. And we have to recognize diversity of interests and gifts and callings. Even though uh, there may be some things people are and do that you and I wish they wouldn't be and do. Thank
2: you.
0: I have time for one more question. Uh, I think we'll go over to this side. I'm sorry we won't get to you. I apologize. Sorry about that.
2: Um, my name is Matt. And this might be more of a question that just the entire Westmont community might want to reflect on as a whole. And I'd be interested to hear what you have to say, but I'll just pose it first. Um, bring, listen to you, um, it kind of brings up kind of a dilemma among the liberal arts um, mission and Westmont's mission. If If you look as an incoming freshman, you look in the handbook, I mean, we're really, like, a career-oriented, and we, we look towards, like just like you said, I mean, always keeping in the back of our mind what, what's our career going to be, but um, I'm wondering if maybe entering into the liberal arts education, maybe there's something more. Maybe we should be considering what's our career now. Um, I mean, do, do you think that there's, there's a dilemma between wanting to be a scholar and then marketing the liberal arts education as just skills-oriented? I mean, is there more to liberal arts education than just skills for the future? Is there something as scholars now? And should we be focusing on that more?
1: Yeah, Um, I I mentioned skills first in response to the first question this morning because that came to my mind first Uh, and because I think it's something which is applicable to everybody in a liberal arts college. Subject matter, tremendously important. Don't um, underrate the importance of subject matter. Um, The subject matter for its own sake Uh, subject matter because of its importance in relationship to a Christian worldview, subject matter because it feeds into the understandings necessary for a particular career. Um, But um, your your question, the other part of your question was something like, um, uh, granted that career is something that is always in our minds, is there not something further that we should have in mind for now? And I say yes. Uh, What is your present calling as a student? Your present calling as a student is to be the best possible student you can be, for the glory of God. You see, that's the thing that should be foremost in your mind. Uh, To be a good steward of your abilities and opportunities and your parents' money uh, while you're here, you see. And this, um, yes, it has implications for career. it has implications for major, but its major implications are for the faithfulness with which you're engaging in the task to which God has given, which God has given you at this juncture. Great. Let's thank Dr. Holmes for his <laughs> contribution.
0: You're dismissed.